Hello and welcome to this week's instalment of the Summit Soccer Podcast. I'm former Rushton and Diamonds midfielder and Leeds United ladies manager Andy Burgess and as ever I'm pleased to have my co-hosts alongside me. They are former Watford, Arsenal, Chelsea and Reading forward and all-time leading goalscorer in Welsh football history Helen Ward and American football encyclopedia Harry Jennings III. This week we will discuss a somewhat premature selection of the England ladies squad for the European Championships in the Netherlands this summer. We'll talk about the players that Mark Sampson has selected and those who've missed out. We'll give our views also on the unprecedented decision to make the announcement so early. We'll also round up all the latest news from the world of men's football. So please sit back, relax and enjoy! Here we are back with the next instalment of the Summit Soccer Podcast. As ever, very warm welcome, Helen. How are we? Good, thank you very much. You okay? Yes, I'm groovy, thank you. Uh, Harry, good evening. Afternoon. Uh, afternoon. Uh, afternoon here in the in the states. Uh, everything's good here. Uh, good to talk to you again today. Yes, nice to have you with us as ever. Right, guys, today we are going to look heavily uh, and discuss the England squad for the 2017 European Championships uh, in the Netherlands, announced um, yesterday uh, by Mark Sampson. Um, we'll, we'll discuss the uh, timing um, of, the, uh, of the squad uh, release uh, once we've gone through the squad. Um, he's, he's named it extremely early, which is sort of unprecedented, really. I don't think he's ever been named so early. And we'll, uh, I know um, Miss Ward, Mrs. Ward has got some um, strong opinions on it. I'm sure <laughs> Harry will have uh, as well. Um, and we'll discuss that uh, in part two. Firstly, we're going to do the squad, though, um, and discuss, uh, discuss the, the players that he's chosen. Uh, Goalkeepers. Um, I'm sure you've got a, probably a, a love relationship with these uh, these these type of people, Helen. Um, but um, I mean, not not too much uh, of a surprise. The three goalkeepers that, that Mark's included in the squad: Karen Bar, um, Siobhan Chamberlain, and, and Carly. T- um, obviously, Karen Barsley's sort of been the number one for the last few years since since um, since uh, trying to think of Browns What's um, Everton's Brown's first name? It's absolutely gone Rachel. out of my head. Rachel yeah. Brown's um, since Rachel Brown retired from international football. Karen sort of came in and. Uh, and taken over is, some, is she somebody that you you admire in that in that sort of role yeah she's a fantastic goalkeeper she's the presence when you come up against her as a forward and you look up and you see you know such a commanding figure the goal she's obviously given but you offers you know as much as anything else but so makes fun say she's she's made some fabulous saves within major competitions for England in the past and yeah she seems to have nailed down that number one spot although Sharon Chamberlain yeah. I believe Harry, she believes cup uh, yeah. last month uh, played two games I think and, and had rave reviews she obviously had a game at the last as well or the last World Cup for one of them had an important role in their success in getting into the next round there's news there the only one I'd say maybe and not because of ability or anything but she's been in a while and 
obviously Mary Earps has come in, she's been involved in a lot of the squad. Although, you know, Carly's been that choice keeper, if you like, for Mary might feel a bit disheartened that he hasn't quite made it, but she's only young, so she's she's probably got a few tournaments ahead of her, so she'll have to pick herself up and, and try and get herself back into the squad. So that would be the only one that you might have said could have come in, but otherwise, no, generally, had Carly not an injury, you would have suspected those those would be the three goalkeepers that Mark would take. Yeah, I mean, I saw Mary Earps against Manchester City in the uh, in the FA Cup um, a couple of weeks mm. ago. I think I spoke about it on here, and she was unbelievable. Um, yeah. The save she made was superb. I mean, she, she dropped a bit of a clap for the goal, unfortunately. Otherwise, it would have been an absolutely faultless performance. And, um, you know, Karen, Karen hasn't played every game for... For City, I think um, your 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 goalkeeper from your dream team last week is there as well, isn't it? And, and has has come in and done quite well. Yeah, she um, played in the last round for them. That's right. Um, really? So you know, I think she's coming to the end of her career, Karen, isn't she? And she's probably um, looking possibly at this being her last last major tournament. I don't know, possibly, but I think Siobhan's um, you know got got good presence. In fact, in that game the Reading Man City game she sat almost next to me in the crowd and she's she's a lot bigger than I thought she was actually in terms of, sort of stature um, she's a she's size she's you know she's got a lot of experience been around a long time hasn't she and, um, mm. and as has Carly you know Carly's you know, been at Leeds and um, at Lincoln and, and has had a good career but um, it'll be interesting I think I think possibly Chamberlain might go in as as the first choice um, but I think Karen's had a bit, a bit of injuries as well but it's uh, we shall see on that one um, yeah. yeah, I was going to ask. With uh, barring injuries, it's been those have been the three goalkeepers for about five years now. Mm. That uh, unless one of them's been injured, that has been the one, two, three for for England, hasn't it? I think yeah, pretty quite much. Some yeah, time, yeah. Uh, there's not yeah. been. I mean, I think Mary Earps has been in the squad a few times, hasn't she? Um, mm-hmm. And Rebecca Spencer, I think, um, was sort of the, the the youth goalkeeper, and I think had a few appearances in the squad. But yeah, you're right, Harry. That. They have in the mainstays in, in the goalkeeping sense. And uh, Aaron Barzi came across from America, didn't she? And had played most of her career, yeah. I think, in, in America. Um, mm-hmm. I think she was born in California, or she was raised over that way. Right. I don't know whether she was born there or just brought up there. But, yeah, she spent a lot of her time in America before coming over and made her debut for England relatively late, I mm. think. I, I couldn't tell you how old she was, but I know she wasn't. She didn't sort of come through the youth system or anything like the others. Which meant? Uh, she got sort of... Sorry, makes go it dead hard in the English game. That's one of the things for me. I think mm. if you're not in the system, it's incredibly hard to break through later on. Not many have. Yeah. And I think um, yeah, she's obviously done really well to to get in yeah. so many games as she has at such a late stage of her career. Mm. Um, on to the defenders. Um, I think he's selected a plus one midfielder who can can be a, a defender as well. But the defenders who uh, by defenders, Laura Bassett, Lucy Bronze, Alex Greenwood, F. Houghton, Horton, sorry. Um, she was Houghton when I coached her, but she's turned into a Horton. Um, <laughs> Potter, Joe Potter, Alex Scott, Demi Stokes and Casey Stoney. Um, again, it's it's probably a point, Harry. You know, there's, there's not too many of those who are surprises or haven't been in the squad recently. I know Greenwood's sort of broken through and broken um, Demi Stokes as well uh, the likes of Casey Stoney Alex Scott Steph Howe and Horton um, Lucy Bronze Laura Bassett have been in there a long long time haven't they and that's you know whilst it's fantastic to see younger players break through and it and it, and it obviously shows 
um, good continuity through from the youth, youth, youth um, teams. It's good to see the, the more experienced players obviously um, keeping their places in the squad as well. And I think that that speaks well for the uh, for the team to, to to be able to perform well this uh, this summer because of that continuity. But the uh, what the what the England team you know what this group largely has uh, has accomplished. But I start thinking, well, how experienced a team are you going to be able to put together? How you know how mu- how many matches do, do some of these players uh, have? Yeah, I think I read somewhere that they're the age of twenty three in the squad, which is quite amazing, really. No players under twenty three in the squad. I think the average age is about 28 and seven or eight there's <laughs> eight who are over 30 which is quite a number mm-hmm. um, gives me hope when I come back but, um, <laughs> I've still got a few years but um, no I think it's a hard balance to have I think the experience is great but like Harry said what how do you then you know how many of these players might be playing in their last tournament then all of a sudden in two years time you're going to be taking a squad full of players who haven't had any tournament experience or very little and you kind of think, well, yeah, you've got to think about the here and now. But with some of those experienced players just going along and not likely to get game time, could they possibly have introduced one or two of the younger players who are more likely to be there next time to give them the experience? I, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a really fine line. And I, I must admit, I was surprised at how you know the average age was so high because there has been young players that have done so well and broken through and had chances in the squads. But obviously... He's come to the big one and he's decided when he's tried and trusted, um, which is great for them. And, and for, hopefully for them, they're going to go out and, and do well and justify their selection. But it's, it, it did surprise me when I, when I read that. An interesting one for me, um, obviously, that you look at the left-back position. Um, mm. I think the two left-backs, or, or out-and-out left-backs, or, or probably three, um, Demi Stokes, Alex Greenwood and Joe Potter, um, I like Joe Potter. I've always liked Joe Potter. Um, I think she's um, fantastic with the ball. Um, mm. I've probably seen her more in the more deeper role in midfield than left back. But I know sort of the fashion of left backs or full backs in general at the moment is to have that attacking sense and to be you know up and down and be the sort of um, you know the Alex Scott sort of type model mm. who, who's going to get up and down. But you know, uh, whilst Joe Potter's not that type of player. I really, I, I, she, for me, she's one of those who's great to watch. She's got great technique. She's left-footed, so they look better than right-footers anyway. And um, <laughs> and uh, I just think she's a great player. What's your thoughts on her, uh, Helen? I actually, I think she might actually play as a centre-back, either the left side of a three, right, or okay. as one of the two central. I, I don't know if I've seen her play as a left-back, but you're right. Her, she's got a one of the left foot. It's. Mm. You know, set, taking set pieces if she's on them. If, you know, if she's playing and she takes set pieces, they're going to be a huge threat, especially with the height and power they've got in the likes of Bronze and Horton, Houghton coming up from the back. You know, that those set pieces could be key. But um, she, she is she's a good player and she's equally as effective in midfield. But it, it looks like the midfield spots are are pretty well looked after by the likes of Jill Scott, Farah, Jordan. You know, that those types of players kind of play most games um, so I think she's probably more likely to be deployed as a, as a defender um, which would be interesting because although she's done well there I don't suppose she's played there in a, in a major competition before so it would be a, a big test for her if she does play 
Yeah, certainly. And the, the right back as well that equally is interesting because you've probably got England's being probably best player, best best player constant consistently over the last ten years in Alex Scott, who's played there most of the time. But then you've probably got England's best player at the minute, who's who's played there in the Shebelis Cup and has played there, you know, sort of recently. It, it, surely it's going to be bronze, isn't it, over Alex Scott? I think so. Yeah, I, I, I don't think anybody could justify dropping Lucy Bronze at the moment. Again, if they play a back three, she can play either centrally or as a wing back. So mm. it'd be interesting. He has played that formation quite a lot, but I, I don't know what he's going to do in the summer, obviously. But I don't think you can leave her out of your starting lineup. She's so good, both mm. going forwards and defensively. I think that's probably what she's got over Alex is that defensively she's so hard to beat. She's mm. she's a beast of a player. She's so strong in the air. She's fast. She's she's just she's like trying to get round a really quick brick wall and it's, <laughs> it's not fun to try and do so I can't see her not being in the team to be honest which is unfortunate for Alex because yeah, you know, this might be one of her last her last tournaments but she's been a great servant for England and as you said she's been one of their more consistent players over the years and you know hopefully she'll have some part to play in the summer and she'll, she'll do well when she does but it is, it's unfortunate when a, when a player like Lucy comes through and, and you can't really argue with her selection, to be honest. And alongside Steph, obviously Steph's going to going to play central centre central uh, centre half. It's, he's, he likes Laura Bassett, doesn't he? He's always gone with her. Um, I mean, uh, Laura came to Leeds for a sh- sort of towards the end of the season when when I was a uh, was first team coach, and um, she's just dependable. She's steady, Eddie. She's sort of seven, eight out of ten every week, isn't she? And she's had a major set setback in the World Cup when she scored the own goal and. And everything that came with that, but she's bounced back, and she's a good character to have as well in the dressing room. I don't know if you've ever, ever, ever played alongside. I don't think you have, have you, Helen? You I was with her for a, a season at Arsenal. Oh, actually. okay, sorry. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she, she predominantly played as a, as a right back that season, and um, yeah, she's a great talker. She's very, very experienced, and like you said, she's used that setback of the World Cup to her advantage I think she had a fantastic World Cup and was probably mm. one of England's best players um, so that that maybe you know obviously it's going to have an impact when that sort of thing happens you know an own goal at that mm. stage in a major semi-final it, it's going to hurt you but she's a strong character and I know she's she's obviously going to have forgotten that and that won't be anywhere near her mind when it comes to the playing in June um, and yeah Mark, Mark does like her he seems to play her in the big games I don't think she's played too much in the last year or so whether that's down to injury or him just trying things out so whether she's going to come straight in and, and be Steph's partner and I'm not sure but he knows that he can rely on her if, if necessary and she'll do a fantastic job well, we shall see we're going to take a quick break when we come back we'll be moving into midfield uh, centre forwards or the strikers forward players um, and a chat about uh, this early Announcement from the squad by manager Mark Sampson. We'll be back shortly. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, part two of the Summit Soccer Podcast. Um, Harry and Helen with me. We'll continue our discussion about the England ladies squad named um, yesterday ahead of um, this summer's European Championships. Um, into midfield. Um, there are six midfielders, sort of out and out midfielders. Um, that uh, that Mark's selected um, that, I, that being Millie Bright, Izzy Christensen, Jade Moore, Jordan Nobbs, uh, um, 
Farrell uh, Williams um, and Jill Scott. Um, I don't suppose many surprises there. Obviously, Bright's come in sort of recently to the squad. Um, I didn't realise how um, big she was. Um, she came on in the She Believes Cup, and she's she's a big unit, isn't she? She's a hell of a presence coming on. Um, she came in and held in that midfield role. Um, have you come up against her before, Helen? Yeah, I played against her a few times. Played against her when she was at Doncaster, and she played sure. a higher role, more of a number ten role. Oh, did she? For them, right. yeah. She and she linked up really well with their four players at the time. And obviously, when they didn't get promotion that first season. Chelsea snapped her up and mm. she's gone on to do really well for them I think she's a very good young player she's mm. she's got a lot of good attributes and people look at her and say yeah she's big and strong she can pass as well yeah. she, she can strike a ball and, and send it from one side of the pitch to the other so you know I, I, I don't expect her to be a starting player in the summer but, but I think she's definitely got something about her and I do believe she'll get her you know a tournament debut at some point during the competition and I'm sure she'll more than hold her own. She's she's a real real talent, and and it's great for her to be involved. I think it's great to see that that, that she's she's gone from Donny Bells, who obviously you know not at, not the Donny Bells they used to be, um, but mm-hmm. more of a sort of you know league Super League Two club now. Um, okay, they've stayed full time, but it, but you know it's good to see Chelsea have gone there, picked up a good young player, taken them, taken a not a chance on them, but you know. And, T- taken to the squad and, and she's kicked on again and she's got herself into the England squad um, it's quite a, you know it's a good thing to see really um, and as you say it's a good opportunity for her um, elsewhere obviously you know Izzy Christensen has probably been the one player at City who has not benefited from uh, Carly Lloyd coming across um, because she's probably gone in and taken her place hasn't she um, and, and I think it's probably one you know she hasn't really played at all is he over the last two or three games that I've seen City play although she might have played in the FA Cup at Bristol I, I'm, I, I didn't, I'm not sure about that team whether she played there or not but um, she, she has probably been the one who hasn't benefited from, from Lloyd coming across but she's a good footballer isn't she and she you know she, she brings a lot to the team She's a very good footballer she's neat and tidy she scores goals she breaks forward from midfield she's She's an excellent player, and you're right. It's unfortunate for her. She's limited game time, and whether the pressure is off now for her to try and selection in terms of form during the spring series, it's a case of how can she make sure she's match fit for when the time does sure. come to go over to to Holland in the summer. So it's a, I, I did think that when Carly Lloyd signed, you know, it's a, it's a great sign of the league in a city perspective. But with England players and and other players, you know, from from nations that are also going to the Euros. They're 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 playing for their places or playing for their their spot on the team in the Euros. So it's it's a tough one to take when they know they're going to be for a limited amount of time. So it's going to be a tough one for her. I, I think she will end up getting more than enough games during the, the spring series. You know, rotation possibly or you know an injury somewhere along the line. She's hopefully going to get her time, but it has to be a bit of a tough for her not to have played as much as she'd hoped, especially in the Champions League. The sorts of games that are going to be nearer to the level of, of the Euros in the summer Sure um, What's your opinion take what, what views on Jill Scott um, I'm, I'm very much mixed a lot of the time I see her and, and I don't I don't know what she does I honestly don't <laughs> I, I look at her and I think what, what does she bring to the team uh, and 
I know I'm getting the second leg of the semi-final, um, sorry, quarter-final last week. I thought she was quite. Um, she made an, she made a little bit of an impact. She broke things up quite well. Um, she was obviously with a high. She's she's dangerous from set pieces. She does chip in with the mm. odd goal. I just, I, I I I've always put her in the over bracket. Um, what, what what's your thoughts on her? Do you know, for years I was, and then I played against her, and I thought you're actually a very good player, and I've mm. done her a disservice. Um, so I have to say that she she's a player you want in your team, and not just set the world alight with dozing runs or you know a Beckham style strike across the pitch. Mm. She she's very hard. She does the job that a lot of people want to do, but she also can get forward, and she has got an eye for goal. Like She's dependable. You can put her anywhere and do her best. I think that's what managers like. They know they can rely on her. She's not always necessarily after, but they know when she comes on the pitch that if they need anything, she'll do it very well. And she did a fantastic job at Everton, got them to where they were, very high up, beating with Arsenal at the time, winning FA Cups and coming close in the league. And it it's no surprise that club like City then came in. They're not going to just sign any old player and. She's been in there since, and I think that speaks volumes. That she's probably one of the first names on the team. She got Nick Cushing at at City, and I'd imagine she's on the squad list, if not the mark as well. Nobody speaks a lot about team spirit and the togetherness they've got. And I know she's the squad. She's spoken of very highly a lot of her her peers, and and I think that that has a lot to do with it as well as her ability on the football pitch. Sure. From those midfielders, then. Obviously, looking at it, you'd think it's probably from Williams, Scott, Nobbs, and Moore, wouldn't you? Um, yeah. Probably, probably it will be Nobbs, Scott. Um, you know, um, uh, I keep got Jade Moore. Um, is obviously is, is is a type of that player as well. Again, I you know I was fortunate enough to coach her at Leeds and. Um, there, there were games again where you'd think I'm not sure what she's contributed, but when you when you look over the the space of a season, and she she very much does the ugly side of the game and mm. breaks things up really well. She's got she's improved massively. She you know she tries to get on it and make things happen now, uh, which I think maybe at the start of her career she didn't quite do. But you know she's brought that into a game, and it's no surprise that she's. Uh, she's got herself in the England squad. She's got a, a horrible streak in her as well. You know, she loves a tackle. She loves getting involved, stuffing. And I think you need those type of players going into tournaments. She's a winner, um, you know, but she's very feisty as well. Um, Nobs was Nobs at Arsenal with you? I, you know, I, no, no. She came after I'd left. Mate. She was ragged for Sunderland at their place, and they beat us two one. Oh, and I sure, think yeah. the next, right. I think the next season they signed, they signed her. She's obviously gone from strength to strength, but. She's a she's his vice captain. She missed out on a lot of the games in the World Cup in Canada because she was injured. But I expect her to to play the majority of the games in yeah, the summer. Yeah, I think if she's fit, she's, she plays, doesn't she? She's outstanding. Yeah, I think Jade Jade's more likely to play games that are perhaps going to go more defensive. Sure. If they get their groups, although they should they shouldn't struggle, and they're perhaps going to have to look to be on the offensive in in the three games against Spain, Portugal, and Scotland. If they get to the latter stages and play the likes of France or Germany, where they're going to have to defend a lot more, I think that's where Jade Moore might come into it. And 
and make them all their own. But it's, I don't know, it's, it's a tough, it's a good midfield to be fair, and they're going to all be fighting for places. So. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even t- you know spoken about Farrah. She speaks for herself, really. You know, she's got so mm. much ability. She's she can you know get on the ball. Sometimes I think she she gets a little bit of um, and maybe times I think, but you know I couldn't criticize. She's for me for the, with the best. I've seen performances I've seen from her. She's one of the best um, players in the, in the English game that I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. She can be, she can dictate again from the middle part of the midfield, and um, you know she's free, free, you know from from anywhere with both feet. I think she's an integral part of the squad, and um, you know she's. I think she'll be she'll be a, she'll be a starter, no doubt, in there. Um, moving forward. So, you know the six strikers that have been selected: um, Karen Carney, Tony Duggan, Frank Kirby, Nikita Paris, uh, Jody Taylor, and Ellen White. Um, obviously, nobody better than to ask than, than, than this, Helen. Um, what's your take on those front six? Yeah, you can't really say much that suggests they shouldn't be in there. The only one you may question is Ellen White because, again, she's been injured quite a bit and obviously Fran has as well. She's not played much football at all on a consistent and regular basis, probably for the best part of a season and a half. Uh, So she's going to hope that she can obviously get back to full fitness and sharpness, which I've no doubt she will. I've played with her briefly at Reading and seen her close first hand in training and things and the things she can do with her of a ball of magic and you know I fully understand the reasoning behind selecting someone like uh, Ellen White he, he seems to really like her and whenever she's fit she seems to be in the squad so it's not too much as a, of a surprise and the whole front line that you mentioned have all got goals in them Kaz has had some fantastic displays Kaz Carney for England before Tony seems to have started quite well with City she seems to to play most games now so She'll hope to be on form, and, and Nikita's obviously doing really well for City as well. And you know, all these all these players are, are exciting on their day, and, and mm. have the ability. Jodie Taylor as well; she's one of the best finishers I've seen. Mm. Uh, she she had a fantastic World Cup. So they, they, they've all got great ability. They've all got a good work ethic, and I think that's what Mark likes in his forward. He likes a forward line that that are going to work hard, press the opposition's back line, and create chances for themselves and, and all of those players I think have got that in them and, and that's probably why they're they're up there as well as their ability to score goals and create them So just to bring this part to an end we'll, we'll come back and, and talk a bit about um, well talk talk about the, the, the timing of the selection uh, announcement if you were putting your neck on the line Helen and, and had to say what the starting 11 will be against Scotland in 10 weeks time I'm going to write it down and we're going to see how close you are um, <laughs> Gone. What what would you go for? If you, okay, but not, go not, would you a, not what you would pick, but what you think Mark Sampson will pick. Yeah, I think he's going to go with a four-three-three, and I would say I'm going to say Shivengol, Chamberlain, Chamberlain, with Lucy Bronze, Steph, Bass, and Stokes. Okay. There's about four. Mm-hmm. Uh, midfield three, I think, will be Farrah, Jill, and Jordan. Mm-hmm. With Jodie Taylor is the nine. Mm-hmm. And Are you alright with a nine, Harry, or is it some kind of. Should it be a <laughs> <laughs> three? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, actually, I don't know. 
change that. I want to put Ellen White as a nine okay, with okay. Tony and Karen. Tony Duggan and Karen Carney. Try this line. Probably a million miles away, but... No, I don't think it... I mean, Karen Carney has played central, hasn't she, for England? She could generally. play as a so midfielder, to be fair, as a 10, but... Um, but I don't think that would be far away. Um, you've obviously got two, obviously it depends on fitness and, yeah, and that's none that of them get injured in exactly. the meantime. I mean, mm-hmm. we're so far away, everybody, it could be uh, it could be 20 different players in the squad by the time uh, mm-hmm. it comes. But uh, we'll discuss that next uh, when we come back. Um, please join us in part three um, when we're going to be talking about the timing of the England uh, selection announcement. Two. Welcome back to part three of this week's Summit Soccer Solutions podcast. We're talking about the England selection for the uh, the European Cup this summer. Uh, still ten weeks away until the first match, and uh, the selections have already been made. The other twenty three players named to the squad, which uh, to me is just completely zany. I don't understand why one would make those selections that early. So, uh, uh, Helen, how do you feel about you know, you know being an international player and and Waiting for those, uh, you know, waiting for those lists to come out uh, through your career. Having seen this early, do, does that give the the squad an advantage because they're settled, or do you feel like that uh, takes some takes an edge away from the squad as they go through the uh, the FAWSL uh, spring season? Yes, I can't get my head around it. I've been announced that it was going to be done today. I just thought I I cannot really find a reason for it other than you know he's he's saying that it's going to have them together and enable them to have time to to work on things and prepare in the right way but surely you can do that without announcing your squad you know it's I feel like it takes away like you said that edge players may go into games and friendlies and their league season a bit complacent and I, I just feel I don't know where the the motivation is between now and the tournament to keep doing well. If I'm in the squad now, I think, right, well, let's not take it. Let's not go on. Let's not go out too hard. I don't want to get injured. But then how do you then switch that mentality as soon as Euros start? It's, it's a real tough one. I really don't Yeah, know. I would, I would think that as a, you know, as a professional, you're, you know, you, you always want to win, you know, if it's a three V three match in mm. the, you know, in the middle of a training session, you want to win it. But like you say, that, that little voice in the back of your head, as you're going in for a 50, 50, uh, wait a minute, I'm already in the squad. Mm. Maybe I yeah. just let this one go. Uh, I've, I, I have to think that that might be there. I've, I've had a, a similar situation at a much lower level, uh, coaching the, uh, the state Olympic development program team here in Pennsylvania. We won the region and we were going on to the national championships. Uh, and, there are only four regions in the United States. We're down to the, the top four teams in the uh, in the country, but our it's a state policy that the players that won the regional tournament go to the national tournament, and our regional tournament is nine months before the the national tournament, and so mm-hmm. those those lads didn't have to fight for a place to be on the plane to Phoenix, and I I feel like that hurt us. I think that uh, that there was there was some complacency. There was oh you know hey we get to go on vacation because we did so well last summer and uh, and frankly we didn't play all that well in Phoenix. We weren't poor, but we weren't uh, we weren't good. Yeah, it's just 
he said something also that, that the form of the players is not a priority for him when it comes to selecting a squad and I find that completely baffling because as I said before that where's the motivation for the players who are in the squad to keep doing well and how do they turn that on and off you can't turn off your form you know turn it on and off as you like how and also for the players that have missed out the likes of Rachel Daly Rachel Williams any Gemma Davison Jilly uh, Jilly Flaherty Claire Rafferty the likes of those players who have been heavily involved Mary Earps they've been heavily involved for the last few months to a year all of a sudden it's like right well I can do I can be the best player in the league consistently week in week out but it counts for nothing how, how do they get back in the squad I know that's not what he's focusing on now because he wants the squad he's selected the 23 players to, to go out and do the job for him and, and come home with you know medals around their neck but in terms of the future how, how do you get back in the team how do you get back in the squad if it's not on form? What, what what do you have to do? I I can't understand that as a statement saying that form is not a priority. How, how can it how can it not be? What, what how can you want to take a player? What, what Sorry, happens now if if Rachel Williams scores sixteen goals in the first in the nine games of the spring series and Ellen White doesn't score? Exactly. Uh, you know, how does how does what, she feel going? And how can you justify as an England manager that nine games of form, nine games of scoring, mm. fifteen, sixteen goals? You know, hypothetically, of course, and then yeah. not being going to the Euros. It just makes absolutely no no sense. It makes a mockery of certain things. Yeah. I think, um, and I think it just. Puts if, yourself... if I'm sat there in the Scotland squad and I see Rachel Williams or you know, whoever, any Luco banging them in for fun, Gemma Davison ripping people apart, I'm thinking, brilliant, she's not going to be against us. Mm. You know, it, it's really, it's a really strange decision and the fact that it's never been done before, as far as I'm aware, by any international squad, male, female, whoever, I, I don't know of there ever being a time when a squad has been announced so early. It, there's obviously reasons why teams don't do it mm. and so he's, I can't see why he's overlooked those reasons. And there's, there's, to, I mean, there's, there's a squad name for the, these two friendlies as well that has got other players in as well, hasn't it? Because Mel Willawley's been included in it. Yeah, Mel Lawley, Jess Carter, I think, from yeah, Birmingham, Carter, yeah. Hannah Blundell and the young keeper at Birmingham, Sophie mm. Baddeley. They, they're all in there. Which, OK, so they're all youngsters and were unlikely to be in the squad, so it's great for them. But then, as I said, those, those players I mentioned before... Yeah, All of a sudden, yeah, they're going from April to beyond the Euros, knowing that they're not getting anywhere near an England squad. Mm. How how does that make them feel? Then suddenly they're going to go back potentially in October or September, whenever the next camp is. You know, they're going to go in there thinking, "Well, I got rejected very early. What what is he thinking?" Of? They're going to have to be called upon at, at some point again. Those players, maybe okay, maybe not all of them, but at least. The, two or three of them are going to likely be in a squad again but how, how do they feel about going into that squad it's going to be really tough for them and for him to deal with I mean I like think. you say even the, the likes of um, Fran Kirby hasn't hardly played at all has she you know she, she's been no she, you know so ha, ha, she, in ten weeks she, he's hoping that that she re- returns to fitness is okay coming back from fitness and mm. returns to form straight away having not played for a season 
Yeah, it's a big gamble. To sit, really I'd love gamble. to sit down and justify him, and be able to for him to justify it because I, I, I just it's, yeah, because he's he's a brilliant coach and and he's he's been an excellent manager. But this it, it's it's baffling to me. Uh, another another situation if you know if Williams or Luca were banging goals in for fun and Ellen White breaks her leg two weeks before the tournament, mm. then you have to bring one of those players up that you've already said. Well, you're not good enough. Mm. Mm. And that's you know, and how do you how do you how do you handle that as a manager? Because uh, it's not quite the same as if you've named a squad two weeks before. Definitely. Because so many players have, could get injured in this ten weeks. Every player could pick yeah. up yeah. a knock. And then so mm-hmm. a player picks up a knock in what say three weeks time. So you're now seven weeks before the start, the first game of the tournament. Mm-hmm. What, what mm-hmm. do you do then? You know what. what yeah, if it's a sprained ankle, that's exactly. a six to eight week recovery. Mm. And okay, do you go ahead and drop them? Do you keep them in? You know, what are you, what are you going to do? Uh, that's a. Uh, uh, he's I, obviously I think, the I, thing. The thing I would say is he's obviously thought about it. It's, it's, there's obviously a method to it. You know, he's not he's not just woken up exactly. One day Mark and gone. Sampson would not do something just off the top. No, of his well, head. the, I mean, the we, FA we, we you know we know and respect the man, but this mm. just is strange. He obviously woke up yeah, one day uh, and thought, you know, I'm going to do it. And you know, you know, we talk about managers, players, managers being in a severe, in a yeah, you know, what, how you, what word I'm looking for, Harry. I, I don't know. No, no, do I. Um, uh, looking to you know to do things a little bit differently, um, and mm-hmm. and, it, and perhaps he's done that, and perhaps you know there is a there is a, a, a strong method to his madness. But from the outside looking in, I, I, I don't see it, and I, and I think he's got too many. It's got too many things that could go wrong with it. And I yeah. think especially with England, because I think one of the things that this, and, and particularly, you know, Helen, you're talking about uh, form isn't what he's looking for, that reeks of some of the, the worst parts of Hope, the end of Hope Powell's reign, yeah. uh, where it was based on who you are and who you knew, and people in the England camp did kind of know that, uh, because you know, we all know some players that frankly should have had a few England caps or a few dozen England caps. But because of where they were from and what they did with their lives, Hope was never going to pick them. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's immediately that, what my thought was when when they said they were, you know, when he said it wasn't form, it was down to the group and how people are as teammates. Which, you know, you do have to consider. Of course, you have to have a right the right balance, and and you don't want players in there who you think potentially might upset that. But that's a bit of a personal attack on the ones he hasn't included and as you said mm. if one of those then has to come in it's not so much the fact he doesn't think they're a good player because they've been in and around it he obviously does and they are very good players that could all justify a place in the squad but it's a personal thing which I think is, is even worse because mm. how, how do you change that opinion you have to go and be his best friend to get in the team that, that's mm-hmm. harder for me to do than to prove I'm a better player if I'm dropped because somebody thinks somebody else is better than me, then fine, that's great. I can go and prove them wrong. I can go out mm-hmm. and score goals and do whatever. But if that counts for nothing, what what what's next? How I can't change my personality in a you know to a great extent. So then, how how does it? How does that squad ever change? What happens when they all hit thirty seven, thirty eight? They can't compete at that level anymore. How does mm-hmm. he then bring the players back in? It's a really tough one. Um, he could be right, you know. He could have been. He could have been in, done a, a stroke of genius, and they could go on and win the tournament. And you know, fair play to him, and he's pulled it off. But I, I, at the moment, I can't see 
how it's been how it can be beneficial from you know selecting it so early I think possibly from a player that's in it I think they would look at it favorably um, yeah rightly yeah. or wrongly I think for them for the points that you've both said before in terms of you know going out and subconsciously getting through games without really pushing it but again like you know you alluded to I think that will that could possibly very strongly have an, have an adverse effect on their form because are they really going to go for it in this spring series when they could have gone through and and the whole point of the spring series was to was well not the whole point but one of the points of the spring series was to uh, get the players match fit I think for the European yeah. Championships but are they going to go and really give everything that they could be on the top peak of their performances you know maybe they will maybe you know we're doing them a disservice and, but I don't think that would be something that you do you I think it would be something you would do subconsciously and I think if like you say if you're going to if you're three weeks four weeks away from a massive tournament and you know you're in that squad you know are you going to go in for that 50 50 um, or are you going to do what I did for 15 years and jump out of the way <laughs> I mean I think obviously the, the group is selected they, they've all got they're all professionals they're all sure, yeah. fantastic at what they do and and professional pride will come into it they're not going to ever go into a game and not yeah, care sure. about the result or their performance so you, you know like you said you can't do them too much of a disservice and, and say that they're not going to give it their all but I just think it might take the edge off their game and it won't be a conscious thing that they do there it won't be something they, they necessarily think about it could you know some players it could have a really good effect on them and it takes the pressure off them and maybe they perform better when mm. they're more relaxed and that's that's great but you know you want players to be able to perform under pressure that's what it's going to be like in the summer they're going to have pressure on them so it's, it's yeah I Personally, I just think it's a strange decision. I think, yeah, it's great if you're in there and you've been named already. It's a weight off your shoulders. But really, if you, if you think you're good enough, then you, you'd be selected whether it's now or in three months' mm. time. Certainly. Right. Well, we shall see. Time will tell. Um, we're back with the final part of the, uh, the Summit Soccer podcast where we'll be discussing the week's events in the, uh, in the men's game. Um, we'll be back shortly. And welcome back to part four of Summit Soccer Solutions podcast this week. Uh, we're going to do a quick uh, men's football roundup and uh, getting to the uh, what should be the sharp end of the season. But uh, in the Premier League, do we have a sharp end at all? Uh, is there is there uh, is there anything to play for here in the last uh, last few weeks? Can can Chelsea be caught? No, next. No. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I really agree that even if uh, even if Man City went on Tuesday, which I think is pretty unlikely given the way that Chelsea's playing these days, uh, yeah, I, I, I think Chelsea's uh, got it uh, got it in the bag. But then we do have uh, some interesting you know, interesting uh, things happening uh, top four uh, this past weekend. Uh, uh, Zany comes to mind again. Uh, watching <laughs> the first half of. Uh, yeah, of uh, the uh, uh, Arsenal Man City game, uh, playing a uh, 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 playing uh, forty five minutes of a professional match without uh, actual defenders, I thought was a very interesting choice uh, for both managers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, the, the defending wasn't the best, was it? It wasn't the type of top quality you come to expect from supposedly the best league in the world. It wasn't the best no, from either side. I think both. I think both are just um, struggling, aren't they, defensively? Um, 
that they've got injuries in those positions. Although uh, it was the Arsenal Man City game you talked about, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Although the likes, you know, I mean, Murtasaka. I, you know, I, I, we've had the conversation about him before, even when he signed Harry, didn't we? Um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't Superb defender in Germany. I think he'd be dominating in Italy, and I just the English game just doesn't suit him. No, uh, agree. Uh, uh, plays uh, to his weaknesses and and uh, plays against his weaknesses and and does not play to his strengths. Mm, uh, mm. And it's you know a back three, uh, back four. Sorry, that's built by Mr. Wenger that isn't good enough to win you the league, top and bottom. Um, yeah. Their best defender's Koscielny, and he seems to cry off with something yeah. wrong with him at half-time in any big game, you know. It is, it's hard to question a player when they say they're injured, but... Yeah, I, I don't know it, if he's When it's at half-time, you just think, go out and give it five, see if you yeah, can. You just, I feel like he's not trying, but that could, I could be being very harsh on him there. But I'm terrible like that with anyone that says they've got a little niggle. On. I always struggle to believe it until I've seen proof. Mm. No, but I, I agree. Well, I think, uh, I, you know, he's captain of the team. You, you captain, you know, whilst you want him to be, st- you know, stand up, you know, be honest, and if he's not fit enough, and, mm. but you also want him to, you know, stand up and go, right, you know, we'll give it five, come on, we'll, you know, lead us out. And, um, yeah. and, and I, I'm, I'm not sure, don't get me wrong, he's a fantastic player, um, he's had a great career, I'm not sure he's really got that desire in him um, no. to be that top top cent half in the world um, I think he's just a bit short of that to be honest yeah agreed the uh, uh, the one thing that struck me with uh, with Arsenal's defend well two things that struck me with Arsenal's defending was we're 32 matches into the season 31 matches into the season whatever it is 30. and they they looked like they were about as well organized as when I saw the Crystal uh, Crystal Palace play their first game in the preseason in, in July. Yeah. That uh, Bellerin looked honestly surprised that he had to drop back when his center for when his center back stepped up. That uh, they they just don't look like and and individually I thought all of them actually I thought all the uh, all the back full back five actually because because uh, Shell needed to play the full game. Uh, from Arsenal individually, I thought looked pretty good, but as a unit, the, it seemed like they'd never played together. Which it's, is amazing it's when you look who their assistant manager is. Well, yeah. it, it, this is one of the things that's always baffled me about Wenger, as 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 many superb things as he has done through his career. Uh, he was actually a center half and a pretty good one, uh, as I recall. Uh, that I, I vaguely remember him uh, remembering playing. I'm old enough that I can remember that. And his center back, pl- you know, the the center back play since you know the the center backs that he inherited in Adams and Keown obviously were Adams and Keown. But after that, uh, they've he's never had a central back pairing that you completely trust. Uh, it's it's bizarre to me. No, I mean so. he replaced he replaced um, those two with the you know Matthew Upson, wasn't it? That type of although he came from a superb football club, um, it, you know, it, it as you say, he's never built. But you could say that with almost the whole team, Harry. He's never rebuilt the team that he inherited, bar the you know the French players that he brought in, in Vieira Petit, Pires, um, Lundberg. You know that since he came in and lost that invincible team. He's never ever built a team, and I, I, I can't believe we've got back onto the Arsenal Arsenal <laughs> argument somehow. 
but it, it's just honestly the geezer needs to go uh, for the sake of that football club because it's an unbelievable gr- club with a fantastic stadium um, not that I particularly like these new big round stadiums, horrible things, but you know it's it's you know it's a football club. More with of a fan of Vicarage Road type stand. Yeah, where you have to wipe your feet on the way out and all that. You know, it's <laughs> one of those. Um, but it, you know, it's a superb football club that deserves to to be successful and to be challenging to be successful. And I'm sat here looking at the league table, uh, you know, and they're sixth, and you know, <laughs> everyone's hammering. You know, United and being in fifth place, but you look at Arsenal. You know, it's just they're a point better off than Everton. You know, it's just it's not good enough. Tottenham are Tottenham are eleven points ahead of them. With play, they played a game more Tottenham, but they're eleven points ahead of them. You know, it's it's not good enough. And and mm-hmm. if that contract has been signed, I will be unbelievably amazed. But we shall see. Yeah, going down to the uh, the bottom of the Premier League, uh, the Premier League table. Uh, the bottom starts Hull from twelfth, like de- doesn't it, Harry? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Twelfth. Uh, the uh, uh, well, honestly, the the middle of the table is not technically uh, technically safe, but I really think there are, there are only uh, there are only three or four teams, uh, four or five teams that are in the that are in the relegation uh, battle. But uh, Hull suddenly look like they want to play a little bit of football, so. Mm. Uh, uh, is there any hope for either Sunderland or Middlesbrough? Uh, uh, I went to obviously I went to the Watford Sunderland game, and I have to say Sunderland look well short of Premier League standard right now. Uh, coming from a Watford fan who's watching a team that are also not far off being well below Premier League standard at times this season, but we it was only one nil, but we deserved the win. We could have had. Two or three had had their young keeper Pickford not been on on good form. He looks superb. But by the way. I, you were right he does. Yeah, yeah, I I I'd not seen him live before. Obviously, only on the TV and stuff. But he reminded me of Casper Schmeichel when he played against Watford for Leeds when he was very young, and that it goes down as one of the one of the best goalkeeping displays I've seen for a while. And mm. he he just he just looked comfortable in in that position in that league and I, I can't see him staying there regardless of whether they go down or not but Sunderland as a whole they just there was nothing about them they looked disheartened which of course you would when you've had so few points in a season the likes of Yanazai he got he got jeered off the pitch when he got subbed and you know they all couldn't wait to see the back of him I've never seen a player touch the ball so few times in a game as Defoe did I, I oh, was worried before the game. You never saw me play a game. Lee Aramaya away <laughs> on Tuesday night. I swear to God, I was, I was, I think I was in an ice block on the far side. I had to, <laughs> I had to get a taxi back to the dugout. It was so far away. But. Yeah, I think he had something like 18 touches in the 90 minutes. And before the game, I was worried that obviously he came off the back of scoring for England yeah, and sure. being on such a high. I thought, right, well, this is obviously the game is going to end his drought for Sunderland he'll score he'll score against Watford the players seem to do that against us um, but he just didn't get the service there's nobody I've no doubt if he did get the ball he probably would would have stuck one or two in the net but he just did not I don't think he even touched it inside our inside our area and that's obviously where he's most dangerous so yeah I can't see them getting out of, out of it I, I don't think David Moyes has got it in him he said himself in an interview that he's never been in this position before and he's hoping that the players can do it because they have I mean 
you can't say that as a manager. You can't yeah. rely on your players to have that, really. that more. He's having a bad week. Yeah, he yeah. That, he's not he's having a good week at all, is he? For slating um, women reporter, isn't she? Isn't he? Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I think he did a really wonderful job at Everton, and then obviously the Man United scenario. He's in a no-win situation with that, so it's unfortunate. But he's he's not he's not going to save Sunderland. I can't see him him doing that. I think he needs to perhaps drop down a league or two and start again and build his reputation like he did when he was at Preston. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think? No, for me, Sunderland are gone. Do you think Helene should do that with Sunderland? Do you think if they get relegated, Possibly, they should stay with, yeah, with him? Yeah, maybe. But I, I would like to it'll see It'll be that a hard happen. one for the board. Yeah, it'll like, be a hard one know, for them to justify to the fans, though, because I don't think they like him. No. Whereas at Newcastle, they all loved Rafa Benitez, and mm. so they wanted him to stay. It was a, a bit different. I, I don't know if that will be particularly popular with the Sunderland fans, just from what you know you see on social media and, and how the fans reacted at the game on. Saturday. I know it's slightly different, but it was the same as Sean Dyche, wasn't it? Cause, I mean, he took him up in the first place, um, mm. but they get relegated, and you know, then he gets them back up, and uh, you know, it, it, I, I like, I like the fact that they've stuck with him. Um, yeah, I think. And too many know, clubs don't. Do they, they don't. They, definitely they, don't. They're too quick to sack them. I know, and I, I pretty sound like I'm, you know, contradicting myself with the Wenger situation, but um, <laughs> you know, he's had. 12 years too long but we won't go back there uh, but, it, but it is you know it can only be good for continuity at that football club obviously you know I, I, I go up to, to Burnley a couple of two or three times a week um, up to the academy there and the, the new training ground is magnificent um, it's not, I think it's just opened um, it's sort of it totally shadows their old ones so they're a football club really in progression and there is a you know a young hungry manager who the players all want to work for um, who, who hasn't quite got it right you know, obviously the year they got relegated, but they're, you know, they're certainly not safe yet. But they they should be safe. You know, Hull are on twenty seven, they're on thirty two, so they need a couple more wins. But um, I think they'll be okay. And and it, and it does it does show that sticking with the manager does sometimes you know bear bear fruit because who's to say you know they could have changed the manager and uh, and it not gone it not gone belly up. Um, you know, in the same yeah. sense, you know. It, Sometimes it, you know, a manager coming to a football club does does have the opposite effect, and you can go on a good run. And you know, who'd have said Leicester appointing Ranieri would have made them champions? But um, course, I think, yeah. you know, if you if you sh- if you looked at the ones who have changed managers and who haven't changed managers, I think the ones who haven't, you know, well, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm probably disagreeing with myself there because it does work sometimes, <laughs> doesn't it? Because you know, Allardyce has gone into clubs and saved them and. Um, What's the crap with the whole manager, Harry? Because hasn't he? Uh, he's had unbelievable like home runs as well um, with previous clubs and things. I think someone was saying the other day he's got two and a half years without losing a home game or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's uh, and I think that's why the uh, uh, why he was brought into Hull. I I was not aware of that, but I've heard uh, I've heard that as well. That uh, so they they went out and grabbed somebody that they thought uh, could sort of reproduce the, the form that Sean Dyche has because I mean Burnley uh, are are they're they're dire away from home. It's not it's not just that they're not getting any points. They're just not playing good football. But they step out on Turf Moor and uh, and everybody's everybody's ready to play. And uh, the, it's not a mistake that they've drawn Chelsea and they've beaten Liverpool at home. They're they're that good on their uh, on their home turf. So um, and it's mad yeah. because you look at the players and the squad that they've got there. They're not. I mean, 
that Ashley ba no Ashley Barnes. I played with Ashley Barnes for three games. He came on loan to Oxford, and I didn't even I don't even remember him. Do not remember him. Don't remember training mm -hmm. with him. Don't remember playing with him. Don't remember sitting next to <laughs> him in the dressing room. But he scored for Burnley when they went up first time, and one of the Oxford lads texted me and said, "God, oh, he's come a long way since he came to us." And I, I what, what do you mean, come to us? I don't remember. He played. <laughs> I was like, "No, do not remember him." Um, and and I, I thought I remembered everyone I played with, but um, you know they haven't got an amazing squad. They've got good players, you know, good, very very good Championship players, and probably average average Premier League players but who are playing well above and beyond you know their their levels I think uh, you know at home um, but the away form has been poor hasn't it mm -hmm. but that's uh, you know just looking at it from a, from a business standpoint if you can if you can take as many points at home and everybody's excited to be in the stadium then Burnley are going to do fine they get the television money they stay in the league, and it's uh, it's it's not just it's not just good for the fans. It's not just good football. It's uh, it's uh, it's good business too. So, mm. yeah, I Definitely. think they'll be safe. I think their home form's gonna. There'll be there'll be no problems. Yep. Okay, guys. Great. Uh, well, we've come to the end of the show this week, um, but uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this week's Summit Soccer Solutions podcast. We hope you join us next week. We're available on both SoundCloud and iTunes. For feedback on social media, use the hashtag Summit Soccer Podcast, and you can email any questions, talking points, uh, guests that you'd like to hear on the show to any at summitsoccersolutions.com. You can follow us on Twitter at, at SummitSoccerSOL, uh, and we also are on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we'd love to uh, love to hear from you, and look, we are, look forward to putting on a good show for you next week. <laughs>